It's another edition of the Deep Slant Podcast. I'm your host, D.B. Sidhu. Joining me today, NFL quarterback, flag football champion-to-be, Seneca Wallace, along with his good friend, J.J. Moses, former Texan. He works here in the building. So, J.J. Moses, Seneca Wallace, I want to welcome you to the podcast. Seneca, you quarterbacked your flag football team this summer to the American Flag Football League Pro Championship takes place Thursday, July 19th at BBVA Compass Stadium here in Houston. Definitely want to promote that. How has this summer been for you? It's been fun. It's been super busy, but it's been fun. I mean, the, the last uh, – we were talking about this off air, but the last three weeks have been incredible. Um, the amount of publicity and, and things that have been going on over the last couple of weeks from this flag football game and tournament has been crazy. You know, it's something that I never – dreamed about that you know i'll be getting called again from sports illustrated talking about uh flag football you know and so it's been fun it's been rejuvenating um you know it's been a credible ride just being able to get back into the swing of football without having to deal with the politics or coaches or meetings or lifting everything is just on your own it's the fun part of football it's the fun without all the work that was always the best part of of practice was when you get to go through you know you warm up you do individual you do team you do blitz but then the fun part was when you get to seven on seven Seven on seven yeah because that's what you guys you know that's what we got paid to do we didn't get paid to hand the ball off we got paid to throw the ball down the field in crucial situations of games and make those those uh, those throws all the time. And so seven on seven was when I just, you know, could have fun and be me. I want to bring in J.J. Moses because you two have an interesting friendship connection. And I want, <laughs> J.J., I want you to explain right. how you know Seneca. Man, well, of course Seneca and I, we played ball at Iowa State University. And it was my senior year. Seneca was just uh, being recruited by Iowa State, and Seneca was coming out of a junior college. And Seneca was that type of quarterback that was creating this such a natural buzz around the campus. So once we completed our season at Iowa State um, 2000, we went 9-3, and three, and uh, we had a pretty good, solid team. Seneca came onto the scene. And from day one, I had an opportunity to kind of connect with Seneca, and we just began to have such a cool, cool relationship. And, and uh, you know, I would kind of follow Seneca in his career when he was in college and when I got to the Kansas City Chiefs. And every week almost, DP, I would hear stories. Man, this guy, number 15, quarterback, uh, junior college transfer, is just making tremendous noise at Iowa State University. And so, of course, I would go back there from time to time when I was, you know, my first year with Kansas City, and we would keep in contact. And and I believe Seneca stayed at the same apartment complex, right, Seneca? So we had the same roommates. I had a roommate by the name of Mike Banks. And so (laughs) and him and Seneca's great friends. So when I got picked up by the Chiefs, Seneca came in. Mm-hmm. And moved oh, he in. took your right spot in your apartment? I took his spot. Yeah, that's right. So I went <laughs> right in. Our roommate was Mike Banks, and right. I keep telling him this, that Mike Banks was a uh, avid hunter. So he would hunt all the time, every weekend. Oh. And there was deer meat all in the freezer. I was like, that's there. really that's really <laughs> right, surprising right. if oh, you're yeah. not expecting it when right. you open up the e- freezer, exactly. right? Exactly. I open it up, and I see all these wrapped, you know, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I, I got deer meat, deer jerky, and deer everything in there. So – you know, that was JJ didn't warn you about all that? No, no he didn't, he didn't tell that. me all that. So no. it was cool to see him and Mike Banks kind of, you know, they just kind of continued to just turn that program around. And long story short, Seneca had some big-time games. And one game in particular that I really remember, of course he's known by this run that he did against Texas Tech. Mm-hmm. The run. And the run. And that's what it was. That was the first time I've ever remembered, DP, where a player actually 
was able they named a run after a player in our program history so he was one of the first guys to really have that type of play and and if, if there's listeners out there please google up the run absolutely and see exactly yeah. what this run looked like it was one of the most electrifying plays in iowa state history probably one of the best in my opinion one of the best in college history and the crazy thing is then he comes back i think it was the next following year seneca mm-hmm. you played against florida state mm-hmm. and Florida State at that time was a nationally ranked team. I, I don't know Correct. what the, what they were ranked number three at the number time. Number three, and to be honest with you, Seneca really beat that team. They said that you had dove into the end zone, and I was out. But yep. he was out. But in reality, he was really in. And if you see the replay, so I watched Seneca DP throughout the course of his career, and then of course with him getting drafted uh, with the Seattle Seahawks, it was no surprise. But just the type of person I, I watched him in his you know, wife, and, and I remember when they first kind of started talking. So I just see the history of, of how he's just really uh, just transformed as a person, and it's no surprise that Seneca today is still having success, and I'll let him talk about that, but I'm just so honored that he's here with us today. Yeah, absolutely. You know what, with this whole flag football semifinals and finals going on, J.J., I've seen him a few times, and he said, watch my guy Seneca. And oh, your God. highlights, Oh, your highlights are tr- – there was one game, I think it was the semifinals, six touchdowns. Mm-hmm. One rushing touchdown, and the announcers even mentioned that this is what you were known for at Iowa State. <laughs> right, and right. I love that you're mic'd up because I think it was right. that particular touchdown where he said, I'm 37, and I still got it. You right. made sure that everybody knew you were 37 exactly. years old. Exactly. I'm the oldest on our team. And so, Are you? Okay. Yeah, yeah. So the, I think the next oldest is around 35. It might be Jason Avant. But, uh, you know, it, uh, it's been fun. I mean, it, it's something that – this is what I do. This is when I flourish is when, you know, we got to seven on seven. And to me, seven on seven, and this the way this style of game is, it suits me, you know, because you are you got to be able to move. And that's when the, the challenge for the last couple teams that we faced with uh, Dennis Dixon, Gerard Johnson, Jimmy Clausen, and Taj Boyd, neither one of those individuals, minus Dennis Dixon, actually moved around. And you can't stay in one spot because you don't have blockers, right? You have people actually rushing right at you. So you have to be able to move a little bit. And also you have to have the football IQ to understand when to get the ball out. They do blitz. So you got to have a game plan and you got to stay focused with it. But at the same time, it's just it's fun football. You don't have to worry about getting hit and have to pick yourself up off the ground. That's true. That's a good point. You mentioned that Sports Illustrated called you. Mm-hmm. So how did that go down? You're just What were you doing when they called you and said, hey, we've, we've got this idea for a flag football league. Right. What do you think? Well, I mean, the AFFL has been around a long time. And so they've been doing a great job. And they actually got us all together. I guess they ran – about eight months ago, they ran a like a promo game just to see how it would turn out. T.O. played in it, and they got all the big names. They got the big names and big. So they've been around. They just hadn't had professional Cor- professional correct. football players. This is the first it. time they decided to do it, and so um, I think the big spinoff was they're going to have all the Joes play. So the Joes are just random guys around the country that have been playing in flag football leagues for the last 10, 15 plus years. Like highly skilled amateur highly players. Highly skilled amateur Not just players. Joes, but that's who you're <laughs> But that's, that's just what they call it. But, yeah. you know, and these guys, uh, they know the intricacies of playing flag football. And so they were going to play in a tournament in a pool themselves. And I think it started with 160 teams. They've been playing since March. So these teams will play together and they would play each other each weekend. So they would fly to different cities and play. And now it came all the way down to fighting cancer fighting cancer and I the Godspeed would play against each other in a championship game for a million dollars so up until this uh, two weeks ago they were playing for free and then when they get to, to, to money pool which was two weeks ago when we started playing 
when we started with Nate Robinson team, that's when the money started coming in for them. And so um, that's where it made it very interesting because at the end of it, they get a chance to play for a million and it, dollars. Wow. There's, there's a lot of pride at stake, too, because you're, as NFL pride. players, you want to beat the, quote, Joes. Exactly. And the Joes want to show that they've been actually been playing for something. Right. Did, were you worried? At, did you feel like – Oh, I need to get in shape for this. Or had you been working out all this time? I have been. I mean, were you preparing I, I for was, this? I wasn't preparing for this, but um, what I've been doing, my you know, since I retired, is pretty much been working with kids. And I work at a high school down in uh, in Dallas where I'm uh, the offense coordinator. So I'm very active, and I try to work out at least four times a week. And so that's always been my motto. And I play and pick up basketball and things like that. So I wasn't worried about coming out here and playing seven on seven. The guys I was worried about was my receivers, Jacoby <laughs> right. Jones, and other individuals that I know that have to run on a day-to-day basis. If they're you're worried safe. about them being physically Correct. active and I fit. I didn't need to be physically uh, <laughs> somewhat. I, I didn't want. I was going to make sure I wasn't, uh, you know, obese, but I was going to make sure that I was able to at least go out there and play for 60 minutes. All right, you're on a team with a lot of former Texans. Right. You mentioned Jacoby Jones. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jacoby Jones, Charles James, Charles James Justin Forsett, yep, Alan wow. Ball, who was here in the, the for the 2012 season as yep. well. Uh, I heard Jacoby Jones on a radio interview just this morning. He was on Sports Radio 610, and he was praising you. He said, Seneca is so smart. He said he calls plays. He's looking one direction. He's calling a play. Right. Like, what has that interaction been like for you to get to sort of run the offense? It's been great. I mean, that's what I'm saying. You don't have to deal with – I mean, because – Here's the thing. A lot of times as us as athletes we um, and, and football players, we see things differently that maybe a defensive coordinator or offensive coordinator sees things. And so it's always hard for us to kind of, hey, coach, we should run cover four here in this situation instead of running cover two. Mm-hmm. Now you don't have to deal with having to go report to somebody or some of these coaches have egos and they say, hey, this is the way we're going to do it. I played for an old school coach in Mike Holmgren when I was in Seattle. He wanted things his way. He wanted to dictate where the ball was actually being thrown by by the play he was calling. So we don't have to deal with that. And the you good, were with Holmgren for two teams, I was with him for teams, seven right? years, and then I was with him also when I was in Cleveland. Right, because he went to Cleveland, well, we went and, to and Cleveland then that's then. when you went to Cleveland. Yeah, so I was there. I was with him nine out of my 11 years, but we don't have to. The beautiful thing about this is this morning we had a walkthrough, and all the defensive players are talking about what coverages and what we want to do with uh, fighting cancer. And so – it was just nice to see the players talking amongst each other to try to figure out a game plan to stop this team. And that's the same way, and I take pride in it, on offense to make sure whatever they do fighting cancer does to us tomorrow night, I'm going to make sure offensively we're right. We're in the right position to make the right throw, the, mark, the right catch, to make sure I'm getting completions to keep every down manageable so then that way we can just get down the field. We who, don't have to get greedy. Who's your leader on defense? Uh, who's the, the, the captain? You know who's really been talking a whole lot? Charles James. Not Charles. <laughs> he does talk a lot. He talks a lot. I do James. remember when he was but it's here. Been, it's probably been, I would say, Josh Wilson has been okay. talking a lot because of the way we play. He's playing inside. He's playing nickel. He's playing somewhat of a mic and dime. So he's trying to make sure our underneath coverage is straight. And also we have Diggs back there on the back, James Ahigabo that's on the back end, and A.B., Allen Ball, of course. But – um, he's been talking a lot, but they all get a well. They get along well together because they're all talking about what scheme is going to work to stop this team. And I think everybody's been on the same page. That's the reason why the last two weeks, I think we've been the only team so far to only give up, I think, 12 points a game, which is good because our defense, they're in tune with one another. We'll let you throw the ball and do what you need to do. But once you get into that red zone, you got to score. 
and that's where we tighten it up a little bit. So it's been great, and it's the same thing on the offensive side of the ball. You know, I can get guys in the right spots. Everybody's listening to me. Their eyes are up. They're focused, and we have a good core of receivers. We got Javid Best, Lavelle Hawkins. We got uh, Jason Avant, and we got Jacoby Jones, and then four sets playing the running back. And we can't forget Jeremy Warner is a track guy. He won the Olympics in the gold in the 400. So we have speed, and that's the thing. We want to make sure that fighting cancer feels that. They're going to feel the pressure of our speed and the arm strength of myself and everything else. Before this this flag football league, you're just doing your normal job. You were an entrepreneur. I'm going to get to that in a bit. But then you come out here, and J.J. Moses and I were talking about all these players that are in the league. He, He mentioned your name especially. He's like, Seneca can still play. And then I'm going through Twitter, and NFL Network's Nate Burleson tweets out, Mm -hmm. real talk, my guy Seneca Wallace should be playing in the NFL. Now, you know other NFL teams are watching because NFL Network's just running this on a a loop. It is for fun, but do you – do you feel like it could be a demo of sorts? How interested are you in getting back into the league if a team were to call you? Not very, very interested. I mean, I mean, I got to be a realist. It seems here. like you've got such a passion for the game. I so. have. I love the game. <laughs> I love talking the game. Now, physically, that's the that's the challenge. Even our challenge for our team. We got guys that are younger than me that are still in their twenties. But being away from the game for a certain amount of years, your body loses how they it used that's to true. feel when you were doing the day to day grind. Your body get used to that. But once you remove that for two to three years, it's hard to get your body back into football shape and to deal with nagging injuries. And it's just going to mount up at some point. So, I mean, I would love to obviously get back in because I love football. I love being in the locker room. I love talking football. But at the same time, would my body physically allow me to go through a training camp and go through a 16-game season? And God forbid if I had to play, how would I feel after I got done with a Sunday night, Monday night game? You know, so I think that would be the, the biggest challenge. But mentally, yeah, I think I'm sharper than any other quarterback or it, with the best of the quarterbacks in the National Football League right now. Now, physically, can I do it on a day-to-day basis? Yeah, I can throw it all day long. But will my body react to me before I can go back and do it again on the second day? All right, so what have you been doing in the meantime? Let's walk us through 2013. You are with Green Bay that year. Mm-hmm. I'm with Green Bay that year. So I end up – How did you decide, like, that? how did you make that decision, like, this is going to be it for me? Well, I didn't really make that decision. Unfortunately, like everybody else, no, everything else, like most players, it's going to come down to an injury. It might come down to age. It might come down to money. And so my my deal was uh, it came down to injury. I tore my adductor again for the second time that season. And uh, I did it when I was in training camp with New Orleans Saints that year and uh, ended up tearing it again. Unfortunately, Aaron got hurt, broke his collarbone that year. Everybody wasn't expecting that, but I had to step in and play. And then I ended up tearing my adductor the second week. And so um, at that point, I knew, you know, with my age and where I was and the way the league was transitioning to younger players where they can go and get a younger guy to do my job and they keep their fingers crossed and hope that he doesn't play. And, uh, you know, they say, well, we can pay this kid two, three hundred thousand dollars where myself and I've been in the league a certain amount of years. They have to pay me a million plus. So they saved some money with that. And so at that point, I knew it was probably going to be over. And uh, it sucked. And I think this is the way God is working to just give me a chance to kind of the way I finished in Green Bay and now being able to get back on the stage again to kind of 
throw re- that away and rewrite, 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 rewrite it. Rewrite the ending to your Correctly. football career. Correct. Yeah, I can understand. On the high note, big time. Yeah, I mean, yeah. because I, I, I mean, was, the fact that you're out there and the highlights are a lot of a lot of Seneca Wallace highlights. Like it's <laughs> yeah. a name that you haven't heard in a few years. Exactly, and that, and like you said, I mean, just to, to finish on a high note, because unfortunately, I mean, when I went to Green Bay. I was there with Ted Thompson, who the GM was at the time, and he brought me in and gave me the opportunity to be like, all right, you're our guy. I know you haven't been here. You just signed week one. You're our guy. And then when they needed me, what hurt me the most is the fact that I wasn't available because I hurt myself, right? And so now being able to get back out there again and people kind of like, man, where this dude been? I forgot this guy can throw the ball. And even though it's in flag football. And scramble. And scramble, and, and scramble. it's flag football. But, you know, I'm giving the world an opportunity to see that I was still good enough Unfortunately, injuries and things happen where it might cut your, your career short. So what happened to your career after after football? What did you decide to do? You obviously mm-hmm. didn't go into coaching or anything or mm-hmm. announcing. You, businesses, you were an entrepreneur of sorts, Yeah, right? I was an entrepreneur. So what I, I did is that I, I went into coaching at a private school where it wasn't a lot of pressure for me to be there on a day-to-day basis. Yeah, I guess I, sh- I should say coaching, not at the NFL level, Correct. but more like yep. on a school level. Okay. On a school level. So I was at a private school in Dallas, and I stayed at one school called Dale for about two years. And then I transitioned to a, a school that actually comes down here to play three high schools. We play uh, Houston Kincaid, Bel Air right. uh, Episcopal, and we play uh, St. John's down here. And so we're down here in Houston a lot, and I'm down in Dallas Episcopal. And so – um, throughout that time, I started thinking about what I wanted to do. And obviously, uh, we play a sport that uh, God blesses us to make a, a, a good amount of money. And if we do things right, we can kind of set our families up for longevity. And so I wanted to start thinking about what I can do um, to keep growing our brand without having to physically be somewhere on a day-to-day basis. And that was franchising. And so I went into Wingstop. And I think I got really lucky with it because I went to Iowa State, of course, as we talked about earlier. But I started going back up there a ton and started seeing the, the change from when me and J.J. was there where it was mom and pop franchises up there. And they didn't have or not franchises, mom and pop restaurants. Like one one stop Yeah, yeah, like a pizza place. Diners, and then they had yeah. a wing place, a burger place. But it wasn't a, you know, it wasn't a Carl's Jr.'s. Ours was called Hardee's, but there wasn't the Taco Bell's. There wasn't the Chick-fil-A's, the Jimmy John's. Yeah, I grew up in Indiana. I remember Hardee's. <laughs> yeah, it's a Midwest thing, man. It's a Midwest thing. They just didn't have all the franchises. And so I started seeing all these franchises. Chipotle was up there. Chick-fil-A is up there. And I'm starting seeing uh, Blaze Pizza and all these different franchises. But one thing that was missing was a wing place. Mm-hmm. They always still had, you know, Pizza Pit that did pizza, but they also did wings. And then they have, you know, but they all they had was Buffalo Wild Wings. And so I got lucky at the school that I coach at, Troy Aikman's grandkid or kids go to my school. Okay. And Troy Aikman was a spokesman Wait, for Wait, Troy Aikman's grandkids? No, his kids. Oh. His kids. I'm sorry. No, <laughs> I was like, what I meant? Jerry Jones' grandkids Jerry Jones go to, grandkids. Our, to okay. our school. So, but Troy Aikman's kids go to our school. And so uh, I had a relationship with him when I was playing, of course, because he did a lot of our games. So I called him up, asked him about Wingstop. He said, man, it's a great franchise to be part of. I can do some help for you. I'll call Charlie, who the CEO is, and see if he can do anything for you to get the rights to Iowa. And so uh, he never owned a franchise. He was just a spokesman. And he sold his shares for a lot of money. Did you feel like I played football? Like, I mean, how do you how do you know how to run a franchise? Is that something you were naturally you know what, interested one thing, in? You know what? One thing I can bring to the table is leadership and make sure that I think that's a huge part that I've noticed so far in owning my franchises is just leading people and making sure that they're in the right frame of mind to understand 
what they need to do on a day-to-day basis, which is my manager. And she's a, a single mom, and, and sometimes days are hard. But sometimes I got to give her a pregame speech before she goes to work. <laughs> That's true. You're like, everybody you know? huddle up. Exactly. So, I like it. You know, like, you got to, you know, their leadership <laughs> qualities come in huge for us. So um, I didn't know nothing about it, but I have a management company that oversees my projects down in uh, in Des Moines. And so it was just a blessing that this happened because now I'm the only pretty much big wing place in the central part of Iowa. And so, uh, you know, it made it, um, it made it a lot easier, made my decision a lot better when uh, I decided to do wing stop and having the support that I have with Iowa State football and athletics and my name being up there in that area it makes it a lot easier for people to go in a lot of players go into businesses I was going to ask you had you talked to Justin Forsett about the shower pill shower pill yes he was talking about the shower (laughs) pill when he was here which was before my time yeah but everybody talked about how he had this like shower wipe thing that you use which i I mean i don't know how clean it gets you but i guess living in houston he saw a need for quick showers he was on shark tank he was on shark tank is he trying to sell you the shower pill he i tried his shower (laughs) pill for the first time did you try it i remember you know what i was around him when he was in (laughs) when he was in seattle and at that time obviously the shower pill didn't exist for him but um i tried it the first time that uh two weeks ago when we beat nate robinson's team and it actually is a pretty good price. Smells good. Now, obviously, <laughs> you want to make sure when you're, when you're out and you're at the gym or something like that and you're done, you dry off, you might have just a little bit of a, a little, just a little bit of residue and there some smell go. to you. There you go. It will help knock that off. If it's you decide, a temporary Yeah, it's fix. a temporary fix. So if you decide to stop by the grocery store on your way home, you're not going to walk in there and everybody smells like, what is that smell? <laughs> so at least it gives you a temporary fix before you can actually go splash some real water. Is one else. quote pill enough for a proper shower? Uh, Yeah. It's, I mean, like, it, a, it's like a cloth. It's, it's, it's like, like a, a wipe. Yeah. It's I'm like really a, fascinated It's this. about the size of a baby wipe, in a sense. See, I don't understand bit. how that can get someone... Really? That's clean. Clean. No, well, it just gonna knock the smell off because <laughs> they actually gonna... smell. They actually smell pretty good. Okay. Yeah. I was okay. actually surprised on how they smelled, and they smelled pretty good. So you played with Forsett in mm-hmm. Seattle, mm-hmm. and then he was here, and he, uh, we've got this big Houston connection. Right. What do, what do those guys are they excited about coming back to Houston? How about yourself playing uh, correct. the championship? And I got family here, too. and you're from Texas as well. Yeah, well, I'm from Cali. I always got to represent. Oh, I'm let sorry. Them know where West side, West side, I thought you're from no, no, Dallas. No, 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 it's okay because okay. people think I'm from Iowa. No, I'm not. <laughs> people think I'm from Dallas. That's JJ. No, JJ yeah, yeah, he is, and there's nothing wrong with it. I, I'm from California, but my family and roots are from Texas. My family, my mom. Everybody is born in Dallas, and then I have my aunt, one of my my very favorite aunts. She lives here in Houston. And so she has a, a large uh, two kids, three kids, and their grandbabies and whatnot. So uh, we have a, we're going to have a good turnout. But I think, you know, for Charles James, Jacoby, A.B., Forsett, and all those guys that actually played here, it has to feel good. And Forsett said something this morning. He's never won a championship. And so you know how excited he is. Even though this is rec league or it's the AFFL, however you want to look at it, we're still taking this serious. We still want to be able to say, hey, we walked away from this thing. We're champions for the first time when they introduced the pros to the AFF. And Absolutely. Big. And real quick, you guys will receive a $1 million. Yeah. $1 million. And they're going to divide split. that just a, among the – Amongst the 12 players on our team. 12 players. Yeah. Okay. And how many games did you play for? Four games? Uh, three. This will be the three games. JJ, yeah. you need to look this. into this for next year. You they guys do it got like a backup. Yeah, we, more than what, I mean, what, what we going to do, we going to actually add practice squad to I this. Totally this be a, I could totally be a mascot. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Toro's about the same size. Three, so three, three games. Squad. Three games. Do you, think the, only four times. do you think they'll do this again next year? And, and would they bring back the same pool of players? I'm, it sounds like 
You would definitely be I in would if they definitely did again. do it again because it's a first class deal. The way they did this thing, they fly us to wherever we need to play. They put us up in hotels. They make sure we have the transportation, the food. And that was surprising to me. You know, I didn't know if it was going to be a deal where, hey, you know, you got to get your own transportation to the location or book your own hotel. Everything is done for you. You just got to show up and play. And so um, I definitely think they're going to do this again and uh, maybe expand it. I was talking to some of the guys that have put this together, the FFL, and they were talking about just making sure that we can get NFL Network to keep showing the games and, and keep pushing it because right now they're killing it on social media. Oh, I see the highlights on social media before I can even turn on the TV. Correct. And that makes me turn on the TV. Wow. Right. And that's when I knew that the games were on. Uh, J.J. Moses and I were talking about this, actually. So many of the Texans players want to go to the game because it's here in Houston. Right. They either know somebody, a former teammate, either on, on either side right. that's playing. And one of the, the players that's going to be out there before the game is Deshaun Watson. Right. So I've got to ask you because there are a lot of similarities mm-hmm. And your old style of play. What have you thought about him so far? I Just thought seven he was games. a heck of a player. I mean, um, until he got his injury, um, I mean, he was playing lights out football. And um, I think that's been the direction of the National Football League and these quarterbacks that are coming out of college now because the game is evolving and it's changing from where it used to be where teams wanted to transform their quarterback into what they did. So when I got to Seattle, I had to do what Seattle Seahawks did, the West Coast system. So you have to learn what we do. Now they're taking the skill set of those college players and saying, hey, we're going to take your skill set and adapt our offense to what you do best. That's What's good. your skill set? And so with Deshaun Watson, that's what you're seeing. You know, he they ran that spread system to a T down there with uh, Dabo down there in Clemson. And so they're transitioning. Hey, we need to do what we this man does best. And if it's a spread system, let's do it. And that's the reason why these coaches get paid the amount of money they do. They have to be able to adapt and change and evolve. And I think that's the way the National Football League has been going over the last few years. Yeah, it seemed like everybody was looking for the next Peyton Manning, the next Tom Brady. And guys would have to sit behind quarterbacks for years to get to that level of understanding. And then they may or may not even be able to deliver. But with Deshaun Watson, it was also injury to Tom Savage that the O-line was banged up the first game. He just sort of got thrown into the mix. And he, you know, what he does is very different from what the our offense Correct. looks completely different from any practice 100%. we've been to over the summer. Do you, you do think that the rest of the league is moving in that direction? That now those kind of quarterbacks are going to be the ones in demand. Yeah, of course, because I mean that's that's what I mean. I'm seeing it at the high school level. So you see it at the high school level, and then all of a sudden they transition to college, and that's what the colleges are doing. You got to keep in mind too. A lot of these teams are in, in NFL as well. They're starting to get younger quarter, uh, head coaches and get guys that actually understand the pulse of where we're going for football. Yeah. And it's the same thing in college. We got Matt Campbell in, in, in uh, at Iowa State. He has to understand, and he's doing a great job of understanding how young our players are, how young we have to be able to deal with. You got to do with Twitter, uh, Instagram, all these social media networks. But I think that plays a whole part in football as well and especially where we are right now. So when you have a coach that understands that and with Deshaun Watson and his skill set, we have to adapt to what he does best. And if that's getting the ball out quick for him, he can set his feet. He can throw the ball from different platforms. He doesn't have to have his hands on the laces to throw it. And how about the pass rushers? How much better the pass rushers are getting? They're getting younger. They're getting faster. I mean, you look at the Texans alone. When healthy, J.J. Watt, Jadevian Clowney, Whitney Merciless, you you got guys like that. Y'all got some monsters Coming at you. here. What would you, have some... thought, what would you have thought if you were playing against the Texans Y'all got now? some That's... monsters here. I think the biggest thing with them is just if every like anybody else, and I'm not just pointing out the Texans, if everybody can stay healthy, the Texans can be a team that can be very 
hard to deal with. And that's the thing, like everybody throughout the league, if you can keep everybody healthy, the sky's the limit for you. Usually most of the time the team that makes it to the Super Bowl usually is the most healthiest team. I agree. And obviously with uh, Philadelphia winning it last year, you know, obviously they lost their quarterback, but they had a seasoned quarterback, a seasoned one, who actually Nick Foles, who had played in some games and went through his bumps and bruises and understood now he's a lot more wiser. And that way you don't have to throw in a guy that you're paying $300,000 to because if they did, they would have never made it to the Super Bowl. You guys were talking about how the game has kind of changed. If Seneca Wallace was coming out in the NFL, let's just say two years ago, Seneca would have been a first-round draft choice. We look at Baker uh, Baker Mayfield. Mm -hmm. Him and Seneca had both similar careers. I mean, both elusive, both exciting, making plays. Same size. How, how tall are you, Seneca? And he's actually shorter than me. He's actually he's shorter, shorter than you. Seneca got drafted, what, third round? Four, right at the beginning of the fourth round. Fourth round. Same stats. And I t- totally believe this, DP, that now since the game has changed and it's more, like Seneca said, it's adapted to what the player's role is like, Seneca would fit in and just kill it as a as a first or second rounder right now in the NFL. But JJ, it's not too late. He's thirty seven. He I said think, to himself, hey, he still got it's it. First Sunday, of he could be Monday. a best. Exactly. exactly. There right. you go. That's it, baby. That's <laughs> it. But that's the thing, though. You got to, you know. It, I think it, we're gonna make the push for Seneca to, to <laughs> re-enter the back league. In. Get him back in. But, but you it, can thank <laughs> us yourself when you do. Make, it's so funny the because call. it was, uh, you know, it's just it, it's the way the game is, and and you also got to think about. Uh, the pace gun has changed. There's no more guarantees in the way that these yeah. guys were getting drafted in the first round. They always – each team says, hey, i got to find me a quarterback in this draft. And it goes back to a long time. Mike Holmgren always wanted to draft a quarterback at least in the draft. Now, if you draft somebody in the first round now, there's not all that money that you're paying that player up front yeah. again like you used to. So now you can kind of say, all right, well, we don't need to somewhat protect this guy like we used to because he was getting paid $67 million off the bat. Yeah. Now these guys are getting paid, you know, $10 million, even though it's a lot of money, but you still don't have all that money up front that you have to deal with. Can I ask one question? I got one question for you, big dog. Who is your all-time favorite quarterback? Somebody that you grew up watching and yeah. you said, you know what, man, I've always liked this game and I've, I always kind of pattern myself. Do you guys do you have a guy? Well, I mean, I, I grew up because I'm from Sacramento. I grew up a Niners fan. So I always grew up watching the Joe Montanas and the Steve Youngs. And, uh, you know, Steve Young, lefty, but he was a guy that utilized his talents. Back then, he was a big scrambler, and that was like wow to everybody. And so that was one thing that I did and that I loved. Randall Cunningham was another with the Philadelphia Eagles, obviously Warren Moon. Yeah, I was going to say Warren Moon because you guys have similar career paths Yeah, in the sense that he was able to do so much, and he had to really pave the way for a lot of – he for a lot of black quarterbacks, and you were right. the first. I was looking on Wikipedia. You were the first black quarterback to ever start at in Green, Green Bay. Green yeah. You will Bay always history. have that. Yeah, under I'll, your I'll name, always have that. <laughs> you even will though, always have that, even though it lasted ten, uh, ten plays. Unfortunately, <laughs> so forget but, about that, Seneca. But no, it was a you know, and that was the big, the, the big rave about it for the whole week leading up to that game against Philadelphia was that really you were the first black quarterback to ever start in the franchise history. That's big. Which was huge. Now, I hate it. Like I said, that's why I want to kind of wash that away and, you know, finish right. But, yeah, first first black quarterback to ever start a Green game. Green Bay is probably the most smallest town mm-hmm. ever. It's like one mall, one movie theater, yep. one barber. And everybody, <laughs> There's everybody like nothing, nothing, under. nothing, and then the stadium. <laughs> exactly right. And every, but it, the cool thing is, is everybody knows you. I mean, Aaron can walk around there. Uh, we see him all the time. 
you know, but let him go somewhere else and everybody's just going to drop everything and storm him. But people there in that town, they just know we see the athletes, we just leave them alone. We see them all the time. It doesn't That's matter cool. because it's just a small town that loves football. And it's, uh, it's a great place to play football. I know that. Do you get recognized when you're out and about now? You know what? I've been recognized a lot more even from this flag football I was going to say from now – I would think that your face is out there a and lot. And I don't yeah. even have a helmet on, too. So that even makes it the oh, I'm a basketball oh, player now. That's right. You're a hoop star. <laughs> yeah, you're a hoop star. So that's now everybody right. can see you. So you go to the Galleria Mall. Yeah, oh, that's, that's like that's cynical. That's that's cynical. That's <laughs> that's <laughs> dude, I was watching the NFL Network right there. So, yeah, I mean, you don't have a helmet on because everybody, that's you know, cool. they don't really know you unless you take that helmet off yeah. or they really recognize that last name when you tell them your name or whatnot. But now we don't even have helmets on. So you're right. we're, we're live and personable. And. Obviously, we're mic'd up. People can hear us talking, which makes this game even more uh, interesting to watch. So it's, it's been crazy. a lot. It's been a lot of fun to watch. Mm-hmm. It's been a lot of fun to watch you resurrect your career and love the chapter that you're rewriting for yourself yeah. here. And hopefully, it ends with a championship night. in Houston tomorrow night. 2018 American Flag Football League Ultimate Final, the AFFL first ever national football tournament, 7 p.m. BBVA Compass Stadium. Uh, tickets at tickets.affl.com. That's right. Best of luck, Seneca. Thank you for having me. Go Seneca. You. Go Seneca. Thank you so much <laughs> to both of you guys. And as always, go Texans.